Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business. The good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we are on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Weight Inclusive Innovators. I hope you had a fabulous weekend. We are officially in May. What? 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 And that means we are officially in month two of quarter two. So nice little check-in. How's everything going with your Q2 intentions? Maybe you need to put some systems in place that'll make your life easier. And if so, you're in the right place because that's what we're going to be chatting about today. Setting up systems in your business so you can work smarter, not harder. But before we dive into today's episode, let's check in with Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Morgan. What were your business highs and lows this week? My business highs and lows are all over the place and also related to this episode. So I'm so stoked, but I'll start with the highs. So in relation to Nourish Colorado, which is my group practice, we are finally doing benefit checks for clients. And anybody who is in private practice, whether you're solo or group and takes insurance knows how big this is because one of the biggest issues in our billing systems, which we'll get into later, is just discrepancies in what insurance companies tell clients versus what they tell us. And then they don't get things covered and then they're mad at us, understandably. But TLDR, it's insurance's fault. They need to be more straightforward. It's whatever. But we are figuring out all these little ways that we can make the client's experience better and make sure that we get paid in a timely manner and that insurance is doing their part in that. So feel good about that. Our new biller is excellent. Um, I won't blast her name on here because she will be taking some new people, but also I know there's a lot of people out there that need her. So um, I will... uh, if you're interested and you need a biller, just shoot me an email and I will, um, I'll send her email so you guys can reach out. That's feeling really good. That's one of the biggest issues at my group practice, but I'm also feeling good about where my time's distributed. So even outside of the group practice, I just have a lot of different projects going on. Obviously the main ones, my group practice, this podcast and all the business things we have associated with that. And then my values driven group business coaching, I've been having a lot of ideas this week of other things I want to do, not even related to business. I'm like, oh, I want to be a DJ. I'd like to take some classes on that or just all of this stuff. So got to focus on my big three before I spread myself out too much. But I do feel good about the time I'm spending in each of these projects right now, which means I need to shake it up because I feel some inefficiencies in mostly my business coaching. So I'm excited to to be able to take some small shifts and move in the direction to support that part of my practice more. Something must be in the air because I've also been feeling good about how my time's being distributed and have also had more ideas pop up this week and I have to shut them down and be like, nope, <laughs> can't do it, Morgan. Don't say yes to anything else. It is such a practice. And It makes sense, right? When you're an entrepreneur, once you have like a little bit of space, your brain is like, let's do this. And you're like, no, no, no boundaries. I'm not going to do this thing well if I take on anything else. Absolutely not, but maybe someday. So yes, something is in the air for sure. That being said, you should totally take DJ lessons because you would absolutely crush that. Oh my gosh. I agree. Do not tempt me. <laughs> no, I think I am going to work that into my personal life at some point. I just think it'd be so fun and such a new, different skill. I always talk about taking improv classes too. I think that would be really fun. So, also the ukulele lessons. So, don't mind me. I want to do everything. That's where I'm at. But I'll give myself some space first. My lows this week. Ugh. Um, I'm in the last stretch of one of my 
grad school classes, which has been such a good class. It's um, communication in groups. It's been awesome. A lot of it is very straightforward of like, duh, but then some of it's really validating. And basically I procrastinated on a 3000 page paper that is due. It's due next Sunday, but I'm also going to Cabo next week, which is a high. Um, and I want to get it done before I go. So this weekend, unfortunately, I will be writing that paper. Is that the one that you're doing for the five dysfunctions of a team? <laughs> yes. At least I read the book and I don't have to like cram that in before I write the paper too. So I am, I am proud of myself for not procrastinating as much as a past Hannah might have, but yes, I'm writing it over that. So it should be fun, right? Cause mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that book. I have a lot to say about it. I'm just more of a verbal processor through my mouth, which is why a podcast works so great as a medium writing and checking my grammar and those kinds of things are really hard for me. Have you ever thought about doing the voice to text in Google Docs? You know, I should. I am writing a story that it would take me more time (laughs) of having to say it and then read it. But Mm. I also am trying to push myself out of these limiting beliefs that I have. So maybe I'll try it. I'll report back. Um, Just something to throw out there. It's yeah. way, I feel like it's really quick to be able to talk it out. It is. You're right. I don't know. I just feel like the words out of my face hole sometimes are not organized or in any chronological order. And so I think I would just look at it and be like, what am I trying to say here? Yeah. Or you could do what we've done for podcast episodes and like record it on a voice note on your phone and then pay like the what $1 and 30 cents to transcribe it. That's a good idea. I might have to try that too. Just throwing things out there. Love it. (laughs) And the last small thing that's really annoying in my low this week is I can't find my fucking blue light glasses. And I have two pairs and they're both gone. And now I'm on the verge of a migraine. So no, I'm at today. Don't worry. I'm going to probably order a new pair on Amazon after this. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get them tomorrow. Just in time to write your paper. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. What are your highs and lows? Yeah, I felt in a creative flow this week, which felt good because I haven't been in a while, which I'll talk about that in a low, but the cat's out of the bag, which means I can officially talk about it. I get to work with, have been getting to work with Whitney Trotter and Angela Goins on developing the website for the BIPOC eating disorder conference that they officially announced yesterday. Oh my gosh. If you don't already have it on your calendar, you need to add it because it's going to be awesome. They are taking sponsors. They are taking registration and it's going to be in July. So it's going to be awesome. Yes. Yeah. It'll be July 20th through 22nd. It's three days, which is fabulous. And yeah, it's been really fun getting to work with them on developing their website, helping them out with some of the tech stuff and fitting for this episode, putting systems in place because they both have other jobs that are their full-time jobs. And so this is, I don't know, I wouldn't consider it really a hobby, but it's something that they're doing on the side. And so, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, goal is to work smarter, not harder. So getting to put things in place for them that can still support the, the conference without them having to work too hard has just been so fun. That's so awesome that you get to be a part of that with them. Two really awesome humans. Also, we should have them on the podcast. (gasps) We totally should. Adding them to the list. Developing a conference. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Other high kind of along side of website development is uh, Hannah and I had a meeting on Monday about kind of where we want to take everything with the podcast, with the offerings that we have. And part of that is revamping the website to be able to set it up where our show notes can be searchable, which will be really awesome. And that just lit something up inside of me and put together a whole build out of a new website and started building that this week. And you've been making some bomb ass tweaks to our branding. I just can't believe your brain sometimes. I'm like, what? How, where did you get this? And it looks so good. And you're so talented. I just, I'm probably Morgan's biggest fangirl. Thanks friend. I appreciate that. Yeah. We, 
it was, it's like one of those things. And we, and we talked about this on last week's episode about being Enneagram sevens, how, when things start to feel mundane and monotonous, we don't want to do it anymore. And so that was a realization that I had. Um, cause I'm the one who puts together most of the Instagram graphics, put together the templates at least. And it was starting to just feel boring. And I was looking at our Instagram feed and I'm like, Ugh, there's so much more we could do with this. And so we made some new graphics and it's been really fun and it yeah. no longer feels yeah. mundane. I think about that a lot with our developing of the podcast and the systems we put in place for it and how that's really helped us stay focused and create content, which isn't mundane, like getting to come on here, have conversations every week around the same time could be seen as quote unquote mundane just because it's repetitive, but because we bring new things every week and get to have different conversations. That's what keeps it fun and exciting. So. Yes. So good. And then I'm going to throw in a quick little personal high because this has been so exciting. So if you read the newsletter, you know that Hannah and I are, well, or listened to last week's episode, Hannah and I are going to Mexico city for a little workcation. So Mexico city is like hands down my favorite city that I've ever been to. I've been there four times in the last few years. This will be my fifth time. Tell us why, why is it your favorite city? What do you love about it? First of all, I live in Houston, so it's very easy to get to, but it still feels, I mean, it's a, if it's a different country, like I'm going out of the country. I love Spanish culture, mm. Mexican culture. I love the food. I love the music. Mexico city itself. I mean, very much has a feel and like architectural feel of Spain, like that European Spanish style. And it is just gorgeous. It is a very affordable city to visit. Um, it's like one US dollar is 20 pesos is the current conversion. And so, I mean, my favorite thing is that I get to eat all this really good food and like not break the bank. Mm. Okay, the people so down I- there are also just incredible. And every, every time I go to Mexico City, I just feel calm and at peace and like I'm where I'm meant to be. And I just can't ignore that. It just feels really good to be there. Mm, it's your place. It's your spot. And now it can be our place for business retreat. <laughs> Love it. Anywho, all that to say, my high of the week. <laughs> Love Mexico City. If you need Rex, let me know. Back in February, I was out at a bar in Houston and met a, a group of guys. I was out with my friends. We met a group of guys that had just moved here from Mexico in the last few months. And so English is their second language. Spanish is my second language. And it's ended up meeting up with one of the guys this Sunday to do some Spanish lessons, English lessons for him, Spanish lessons for me, where we've just been able to converse back and forth. So I've been doing Duolingo for over 500 days now, a 500 plus day streak. And it's been awesome. Highly recommend Duolingo. It's allowed me to get really good at reading and writing but I am still really struggling with listening, being able to process it quickly enough to be able to respond in a timely manner. And so meeting up with my friend has been so helpful already. We met up on a Sunday and then we met up again yesterday to just practice and we just sit and converse. And it's so fun. How do you choose the topic of what you're going to converse about? Or do you just say, we're sitting here doing... Spanish lessons. And then you say that in English and then he says it in Spanish. Like, what is that like? Yeah. So we usually alternate back and forth between English and Spanish. So we'll have like one question that we'll ask each other in English. And then maybe we'll do that same question in Spanish or vice versa, or we'll do like one question in English and talk about it and then do another question in Spanish and talk about it. So it just alternates back and forth. Okay. And then how do you decide what the question is? We just ask random questions. (laughs) like, well, because, you know, we don't know each other that well. So we're also like getting to know each other. So it's like, where did you grow up? How many siblings do you have? What's your favorite place to vacation? If you could live anywhere in the world, tell me about what you do for work. Like questions like that. Oh my God. That's so cute. I love it. It's like, you're doing so many things in one interaction. I know. It fills a lot of my buckets. I'm going to be social. I'm going to practice a new language. We meet out at coffee shops or bars. Like it's perfect. The trifecta. So anywho, lots of highs this week. Lows this week. I somehow managed to schedule a lot of meetings for myself on Monday. 
And it just threw off the groove of my week, which is, I mean, we survived. It's Friday now. So we clearly made it through, but it was just, it was a little, it was a little wonky because I was a little more low energy on Tuesday than I'm used to being because I had so many meetings on Monday. My other thing is I've been feeling pretty behind on a lot of client projects. And I think this is just because I've been so overwhelmed with other projects that I it's taken away my creativity the past few weeks. And when I don't have burst of creativity, I don't it's hard for me to do client projects when I don't feel creative because I feel like I'm not giving it my best, which is something I'm constantly working on. So, I'm playing catch up on quite a few client projects. I will say I'm very thankful. I have a design assistant that's been helping and she has sent me a few emails of like, hey, what are the updates? And having that has felt like accountability. So that's been really good. But it also just doesn't feel good to be behind. Yeah. Because it's as you're behind, there's still things coming up in real time that you Mm -hmm. need to plan for. So then it's just putting you in a perpetual state of being behind. Yes. I get it. That's what I've got going on this week. Yeah. I hope it starts to feel a little bit more manageable for you. I was just thinking if anyone has the answer to how to be creative when you don't have energy, let us know. Send us your podcast discussion on that. Please, please do. (laughs) Please help. Send help. Ready to dive into today's episode about systems? Let's do it. We are talking about and tackling a really big topic that we're both so excited, so passionate about because we know how helpful it is, how awesome it is, and how to have a business you have to have systems. We're going to try to keep it as high level as possible because you can get easily lost in the weeds. Even as we were planning for the episodes, we were like, shit, we got to back it up because we are going to make like a 40 hour long episode at this point. So systems. System. Yeah. We officially changed the name to systems in your business, the basics, the introduction. There's more to come on this. We're going to have to keep ourselves in check throughout this episode because it's also a topic that we're super, super passionate about. It's also one of those things. This is how, this is how I think of systems. It's the thing, you know, you want to do because it's going to make your life easier, but it's also one of those things where I don't know. We probably think it's a necessity, but you, most people don't think it's a necessity. And so it's one of those things that it's like on your to-do list of like really good intentions of getting it done, but it usually gets pushed back every single week on your to-do list until finally you get to a breaking point and you're like, I can't handle this anymore. I'm reaching burnout. Why am I sending the same email to someone over and over and over again and having to remember to do this? Yes. Oh my gosh. I have three different thoughts about this. As you were describing what needs to happen to make your life easier being a system. I was just imagining somebody walking through one of those revolving doors over and over and over and getting so dizzy. And that is literally what it's like to not have a system. The other thing is when you think about systems as a concept, like even saying that word, I'm like, because it's so overwhelming and so big, you know, it's like saying, I'm going to go start a business. Like, how do I do that? What does that even look like? Where do I start? Yep. What does this mean? Mm -hmm. What is life? (laughs) It's one of those things that like pushes you into an existential crisis when you think about it too much. 100%. And I know, especially in the first few years of business for a lot of us, we live in such a, a chaotic state where we're just putting out fires all the time. So even being able to pull yourself out of the business to look at what the system could be feels impossible. Your first year of business feels like survival. It's usually when you, well, and and that's the thing of it too, right? Like if you're doing something new for the first time, you don't know what systems to put into place. As we've talked about many times before, you kind of have to go through some shit in order to figure out what exactly you need that's going to support your business. Exactly. So we say all that, if you don't have any systems in place or if you're playing with systems right now, we're here for you. It's totally okay. It's really normal to run yourself into the ground doing the same thing until you realize I can do this better. With any great topic, you're probably wondering, Morgan and Hannah, why do we need systems? And for that, we have three reasons. The first one is efficiency. Like Hannah's example with the revolving door, 
having systems in place means you don't have to recreate the wheel every single time. You don't have to stay stuck in this revolving door and this mouse wheel, hamster wheel, whatever they call it. The mundane tasks are getting eliminated, which means you have freed up time that you can spend elsewhere in your business. Yes. Because that's ultimately why we want to have systems, right? When we think about like the inner workings of a clock, if everything, all the gears are just moving on their own, it's because you've tweaked them with your tiny little screwdriver to make everything go smooth. You can go work on another watch or buy another watch or build a giant Big Ben tower that has a clock on it. I don't know. It just allows you to step away and know that things are still going to run while you're gone. The next reason why you might consider a system is it helps make sure everybody who's involved in that system is on the same page and knows expectations. So whether you're working with a team of dietitians or therapists to your group practice owner, systems can help your team know expectations. It can help the clients that are getting onboarded know expectations through having a system. That is a key piece of having a solid brand foundation. Because you're creating creating a consistent experience that your team is delivering to multiple people. And so if you as the team lead and your dietitians are all sending clients the same welcome email, maybe with a little tweaks to add some personality to it, but making sure everyone's getting the same links to their onboarding forms, the same PDF to their payment policy, and making sure that all of those things are in place. It's allowing for a really consistent experience across the board. Ooh, consistent. We love consistency. And that's what goes with being on the same page and expectations. Consistency makes things smoother, makes it more efficient, makes everybody feel like they're in the know and they don't get confused. There's always questions and things that'll come up, but the more clear and straightforward our systems can be, the better. And the third reason why you should have a system in place is it allows you to find the bottlenecks in your business. And so what we mean by bottleneck is if you can imagine, I'm going to use a wine bottle, for example, because I feel like that has the best bottleneck of it. You have a wine bottle. It has the little top part that's much shorter, smaller, less circumference, diameter, more narrow, more narrow. That's what we're looking for. And you're wanting to pour the wine into a wine glass. If you cut off that top part, you'd be able to pour a lot more, right? But because of that little top piece, it's slowing down the flow of the wine into your wine glass. That same thing happens in your business. There's always going to be a part of the process in your business that's going to slow things down or allow you to work less efficiently than you want to. And it's going to take up more of the time that you really don't need to be spending all of that time doing it. And so when you're able to find the bottleneck in your business, whether that comes, whether you already know the bottleneck or you're putting systems in place and the bottleneck becomes known, it's very helpful to have systems to help widen the mouth of the wine bottle for lack of better terms. (laughs) Do you have a better analogy for that? I, I I really tried with that one and and it didn't quite land the way I wanted it to, but if you have to go go for it. (laughs) I loved it. It was perfect. Perfect analogy. Um, And then there's sometimes where, you know, a bottleneck in that way that slows down, makes things less efficient, might be helpful in your business, right? Like if you are full with a wait list and you really need to slow down client inquiries, you might pull back on some of your marketing efforts or kind of do the opposite of what you would do to make things more efficient in your system. So it can go either way. Um, could be putting that cork back in the wine bottle because you had the amount you wanted and it was great. And now you're done to finish off Morgan's analogy. I appreciate the uh, support of the analogy. Hopefully that landed with everyone the way it did in my mind before I started talking. (laughs) (laughs) Before the words came out of my face hole. Yep. Pretty much. So yeah. So efficiency making sure everyone's on the same page, figuring out the bottlenecks in your business are all reasons as to why systems are important and how systems can impact your business for the better. Yes. And I just want to reiterate the normalcy of bottlenecks. That's part of our job as the business owners, the entrepreneurs is to find those things and make them better. So there's always going to be 
them, especially in times of growth or in times of doing something new and being able to tolerate that and knowing this is how you stay on the edge of innovation. That's how you stay relevant is by trying things, seeing what doesn't work and then solving the problem. Snaps, snaps to that. It is completely normal. It can be frustrating. We'll hold space for that. And it is completely normal. And it means that you are on the verge of some greatness. And if you have other systems in your business, it means you might have more brain space to put towards trying new things and tolerating that bottleneck a little bit better. All right. So we have some different considerations, types of systems, things that came into our brain when we we think of systems. So one of the things is automation. A really important part of certain systems in your practice is having to set having it set up to where it runs on its own. It's out of sight, it's out of mind. There might be a little snag every time and again. You tweak it and then you move on and you know it's solid. The second consideration or system to put in place is a is utilizing a task management software. Our favorite's Asana. We've talked about them many times before. And I'll use the podcast as an example. We have a flow that we use for the podcast on who needs to be doing what, the timeline it takes from the moment that we meet up and hit record up until all of our social graphics are put out there and our newsletter is sent off. And we're able to just duplicate that template for every single episode. So instead of having to recreate that wheel, We're able to duplicate it. It already has who it's going to be assigned to. And we just go in and add the dates in and it makes it so much easier. And so it allows us to keep track of the project schedule of each podcast episode. Just as an example, the other thing is it keeps track of the tasks that you need to do without you having to find all of the sticky notes, all the random sheets of paper, all of the journals that you've written all of this stuff in. It's all in one place and it basically puts together your daily to-do list for you. I think part of it being more of a task management and a flow is it's very chronological too, right? Like the way we have it set up and automized is it's the same tasks every week, but the content's going to be different. Um, The dates it's due are going to be different, but we are still going through our usual flow where each thing kind of impacts the other. Like we have to produce the episode before we can edit it, that kind of thing. So it helps us know what is priority and Mm -hmm. be able to just flow right through it. Flow right through it. It eliminates communication between me and you while still at the same time, making sure we're on the same page. Not that I don't love talking to you. I pretty much talk to you every day anyway, but it's not always about It's usually not about the specific podcast episode because I know that when I go in to schedule the episode, you've already written the show notes because that's something that you do the day before. And I just like know that that's going to get done. And so it eliminates, it kind of goes back to the why. We're on the same page. Mm -hmm. It's efficient. We know what the other person's doing. Um, You know, there's room for flexibility within that. We really haven't needed a ton of flexibility with it, which has been really awesome. means we have a really solid system in place. But yeah, task management software, it's great for outlining and keeping track of different systems in your business. Yes. And in the task management software, it's very much like a lot of words, lists, things like that, which brings us to another type of system consideration that could be used to help you build these things out, which is things like Miro and Jamboard, which are both kind of that blank space to be able to do things more in a picture format, create flow charts. Um, visualize your system because sometimes having the list is great. Having the due dates is great. But when we want to zoom out and look at the full picture of the inner workings of our system, we love a good flow chart. We love a good flow chart. I have to give a shout out to Claire Siegel, founder of Flourish, who was the one who introduced me to Miro. It has been a game changer. There are, and and this is this is also a little part of like the nerdiness of the business side of things in business school, which I'm sure you're you're realizing this in like leadership in your master's in organizational leadership too. There's some like really cool specific flowcharts that have they're like named after people that developed them in order to be more efficient. 
Miro has templates in there for those different flowcharts. Whoa. Can you name one? I'm going to look it up after this. I sure can. Let me pull one up. We love Miro. We think it's cool. Jamboard's a newer one. Um, I actually was playing with it this morning with one of my business coaching clients. It's on Google Meet. That's the context that I have for it. But basically, it's almost like starting a document, but it's a blank piece of paper that you can draw on. The person you're in the meeting with can see you draw on it in real time. So if you're working on a system with somebody else or trying to brainstorm a system, you can both write on there. It's really cool. So the best example that I have is there's two that have come to mind. A Gantt chart. Ooh, have you learned about that? In Not yet. Okay. Gantt chart. And the one that I always see on Miro that I actually had to look up because I've never used it before. I've heard of it, but I never have actually needed to use it. It's called Kanban. Have you heard of that either? No. According to Google, it's a popular framework used to implement agile and development operations software development. Whoa. Okay. I know about Agile, um, which is a really cool system that people can apply to their businesses as well. We won't get too into the weeds with it, but basically that's where we get a lot of inspiration for like 12 week sprints and things Mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good, good systems that can be used as a template to your business. And you can show that on a visual display through things like Miro and Jamboard. Yes. I am going to share what a Gantt chart is really quick because this was one thing that we learned in my master's program. And I feel like I've used it. I've tweaked it a little bit to fit my needs, but I know this is something that a lot of, uh, a lot of companies use to track project management. And basically it is a bird's eye view of the timeline of different projects. And they're just like little slivers that like overlap each other. And it like staggers all the way down to see what pieces overlap of like, you know, maybe the finance person has to get something approved before the marketing person can start working on their strategy. And it like goes through that to make sure uh, everyone is able to see like the relationships between the different tasks and milestones. That is so cool. They're really cool. Well, they're going nerd out over note. Yeah. I can nerd out over stuff like that all day, every day. See, I love talking about those things and looking at those things and like seeing how it works. Sometimes I have a hard time doing them or it takes me a long time because it feels overwhelming. Like it's, it's a big thing to take on building out a system. So just want to normalize that. It is. It's very overwhelming. The idea of starting it, I will use a perfect example with the weight inclusive business Academy. Those ideas have been in my brain for months, probably up to a year at this point and nothing. It it was like one of those things where I had to see it visually in front of me to know I wasn't missing anything that I had all of my eyes dotted, all my T's crossed, but it wasn't until I literally taped poster board to my wall with color coded sticky notes and like this, the timeline of things that I was able to figure out systems in order to get all of it accomplished. We love a pen and paper Miro board, AKA giant post-its with mini post-its and pens and markers and all that good stuff. So, so in order to leave you with an actual tangible thing, because if you're anything like us, the idea of starting systems and recognizing where you need systems is terrifying and overwhelming and so overwhelming that it might prevent you from actually getting started. And so we wanted to leave you with three different starting points to actually develop systems in your business. So there's internal, which this is going to be more like timelines, check-ins with your own business, development of new offerings, things that you're doing behind the scenes that don't directly impact your clients, whether it's your clients that you're seeing for nutrition services, therapy services, or your business-to-business clients. That's the first starting point. The second one is what I call pre-hire. And this is from the time that someone hears about you up until they hire you. And so understanding what that flow looks like for the client from the time they hear about you up until they hire you, what are certain touch points along the way that you can develop a system for? 
The third is post-hire. And this is from the time that someone hires you up until the time that they offboard from you. And so breaking it up into these three different categories just helps make it feel a little more digestible because you can think of systems and different platforms to use, different touch points, different emotions and actions that your client's doing in these different stages to best help write out your system. When Morgan shared these three points with me, it blew my fucking mind. What I always think is cool about having a framework is knowing it can apply to any type of business like Morgan talked about earlier. And so I just thought it was so cool. And I'm definitely going to be looking at these things in my own business. So even as someone who already has systems in place that I've fumbled through, had to make a ton of tweaks to, still aren't perfect and never will be, never should be, right? We're always trying to do better. Like I I love this framework. I think it's cool. I love that you love this framework. This was a brain baby of mine last summer. Whenever I was in the point of overwhelm and had a blank sheet in front of me to develop a system. I don't even remember what part of my business it was for. Develop a system for something in my business. And I was like, where the fuck do I start? How do I divide this up? It was just like at a loss. I just like was staring at a blank sheet of paper and had no clue. And I was like, okay. And I, and this is, this is also loosely based on the customer experience journey, which we've talked about in past episodes briefly, because you have the six stages of the customer experience journey. The first three are pre-hire, the last three are post-hire. And then I added an internal because there's always going to be things that you need to do in the business. Mm, Yes. As you were talking through all of that, it just reminded me of the importance of having that time to work on your business. And when we're looking at developing systems, that's really what we're doing there is working on the business. We love working on the business. Yes. We love working on the business and the systems are in the business. Yep. Nailed it. So we wanted to just give you throw out some examples of different systems and different offerings that you may have. And then we each have our own personal example because maybe hearing internal pre-hire, post-hire, you're like, great, still have no clue what that means. So we wanted to give you an example on how we've put this into practice. And it's really fun seeing this because I just introduced the internal pre-hire, post-hire to Hannah right before we hit record when we were, when we were brainstorming this episode. And she already has all of these in place. She just now has something to name it, to break it up even more, to do like a zoom in to each of these three sections. And so before we dive into a specific system, just to give you an insight into what the three starting points looks like, we're just going to name some some places in our businesses where we think systems are vital, where we really think it's important to have them and where we've been working on ours. So I'll dive into systems that are involved in solo practice and group practice. So one of the big things that comes up and I work on people, work on with people often is systems around billing, collecting payment, checking benefits, all that good stuff. That's a really big one for private practice. Another one is basically the client experience, onboarding the client from the discovery call all the way to them working with the clinician to offboarding. There's also hiring other team members, which is when you're kind of dabbling in going from solo to group, or when you hire your first employee to replicating those systems to be able to efficiently hire three, five, 10, whatever your vision is for your, for your practice more. And then there's also systems that you need in place from moving from that solo clinician into a leadership role, because a lot of things have to shift as you're hiring people and as you're growing the business. So I have systems around that as well. What about you? Yeah. So I'm going to share systems that I have thought through in more of a business to business offering. Um, So this is you as a clinician offering services to another clinician or business. And I would say also within this, you could group any sort of like course development, online education piece as well, even if it's going more meant for clients. First one is flow and function of your website. So understanding how someone navigates your website in the in the system in order to make sure it is giving them the right information and keeping them up to date. The second is what the flow looks like from 
having a discovery call and how they set up that discovery call, having the call and what you need to share with them after setting up project schedules. If there's something that you're doing consistently over and over again, for example, mine is branding and web design. I have, I've done enough of them that I have a pretty solid timeline in place. So getting that system in place, having sales funnels for any sort of offering that you have, having a system in place where you don't have to constantly be in contact with people from the time they register up until you start working with them, as well as just having different templates that you've used that you can send to people because you've already solved it. So you don't have to keep recreating the same template over and over again. Anything you'd add to that? Nope. I'm going to get us too deep into the weeds if I do. So I think that was a great overarching list of things, types of systems you might think about with biz to biz offerings or just work that's outside of one-on-one client work. Cool. So I'll go ahead and lead us into our personal examples. The example that I'm going to work with today is my design and strategy studio, Morgan Sinclair Designs. And I'm going to go through internal pre-hire and post-hire systems that I have in my business. This is not an exhaustive list. This is ever-changing but just to give you a little glimpse into what this could look like. So with Morgan Sinclair Designs, the internal piece that takes up most of my time is updating my website. This looks like if I change prices, if I change offerings, if I add on a lead magnet, making sure that my website accurately reflects the service and the offerings that I have. In pre-hire, remember, this is from, this is going from the first time someone hi- finds out about you up until they hire you. The biggest piece of that for me is discovery call. And so I have a Calendly link for discovery calls. It's 15 minutes. Anytime someone reaches out through my website, I have a template saved to my Gmail that says Morgan Sinclair Designs Discovery Call. It goes through what I offer I usually attach the pricing and packages guide for that. And then it says, my first availability is this date. If this is in alignment with what you're looking for, use this link to schedule a discovery call. So the template's already done for me. I literally hit it, send it off. They're able to schedule a call. That automatically gets added to my Google Calendar. So I don't. there's no back and forth of like, well, what time zone are you in? Are you available this day? I do all my calls on Tuesdays and Fridays. Those are their options. They find a time that works best for them. In the discovery call questions that they answer when they're booking it is their phone number. So I already have their phone number to call. It also sends them a calendar confirmation as well. And then I call them for the discovery call. And then I have a follow-up email template that I send after the discovery call of, it was so great to work with you. Based on what we talked about, this is the proposed start date. This is the proposed package. Let me know when you're ready to move forward. I'll send over the contract. And I have a contract template as well. Dang, that sounds so clean and efficient and straightforward. How many times did you not do the system thing before you built the system? A year. And it was that was, I felt like a good amount of time because I was exposed to different questions, different scenarios. People would respond to me like, well, I didn't see this in the contract. Can we add this? And I'm like, you know what? That's really smart. Let's add that to the contract. And just, or like, or I wasn't fully clear on the specific deliverables. And so I just like built that out even more. And so I had to go through enough of those in order to figure out what the system, what the template looked like. And now that's kind of part of the internal process too of going and tweaking that whenever I need to. And then for post-hire, so this is from the time that someone hires me up until they off-board, the two things that I have in place are kind of like what I mentioned with the podcast. I have a set schedule in Asana that tells me everything that I need to do to go through. Each project's going to be a little different. There's always going to be some tweaks, but for branding, I know... I need to set up the Google folder for us to share images in. I need to send them the brand discovery questionnaire. I need to send them the Calendly link to schedule our first discovery or to schedule our first brand strategy call. And then there's a certain round of going through logo development. So this is where my design assistant comes into play. And so now we're managing three people, myself, my client, my design assistant. 
she's also added to that Asana task. So she knows what her timeline is going to look like and what I need from her. And so it's been so helpful to keep me on track of, or just because right now I feel I'm a little behind on some projects. If you're my client, I'm so sorry. (laughs) But it allows us to kind of know what's up and coming, what needs to happen, what emails I need to send, what updates I need to give, things like that. And then I have a feedback form that I send them whenever we are done working together to collect information on what things could go better. What things did you really like? What were your fears before working together? What are your thoughts now that we have worked together? My favorite question is if you had to tell your best friend about what our work was like together, what would you say? And that's what I use for testimonials. And so that also... It's part of the system of sending them that, but getting that feedback then allows me to move more into that internal piece again to reflect on what changes I could make on the business. Damn. I'm like sweating because I just got so pumped talking about that. (laughs) That's so fucking nerdy and great. So nerdy. It's so nerdy. I'll pass the mic to you. What about your example? I just have one last thought before I jump into my example. I love that you specifically mentioned feedback and how that influences your system and gives you data and information to tweak things because when it's not just about what you figure out on your own, it's people's experience of your system too that really allows you to make those efficiencies to make it a better experience for people. So we love feedback. We're open to feedback. Sending off the feedback form. If anyone else gets nervous about feedback, just going to throw this in there because I know you love feedback. I do too. And it makes my heart race every time I send off the feedback form because I know like there is a required question of what can I do better to improve this experience? And I, and I so value their feedback and I love that they're trusting me with that information and getting, I'm not going to call it negative feedback, constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Is still hard for me sometimes. Yeah. I think just it's hard for all of us. Yeah. yeah it brings up our own that. shit. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. does. It does. Yeah. You're making me think about how we have been doing reviews at my practice with my team to just have people reflect on their work and how they're feeling about our practice and things we can do better. Um, and I haven't done yet to where they give me feedback, but it's coming up and I am sweaty thinking about that because I, I could give myself feedback on how I impact them. And I know I can do better. And so I think it's going to make it more real to hear from them. And and what I hope is that I've created a um, culture of trust in our practice to where people can share that feedback because I need to hear it. Feedback is a whole another episode. So I'm going to jump into my example that I talk through a lot with my business coaching clients is hiring their first clinician. And so the internal system here when I'm thinking about hiring somebody for my practice is I'm looking at where we're at with Nourish Colorado. I'm looking at where my clinicians are. Do they have the caseload that they want? How is retention? How is care? How are they feeling? And kind of the general rule of thumb is having your team full and your last person that you had hired, if you're if it's not your first, um, is about 75% full before you start the system of hiring. So We'll say everybody's full. The last person I hired is about 75% full. You know, in the next few weeks, they're going to get full. It's time to post that job. So that's where we go into the pre-hire part, which feels funny to say because it is literally, I am doing the hiring, but they (laughs) are also hiring me by taking the job in this example. So don't get lost in those weeds. But so I post the job. I lay out very clearly what the expectations are. We're looking for the best fit. We're going to be doing interviews in this time frame. Hope to get some cool people. I also talk to my team to see if they have any clinician friends that they think would be a good fit to work with us, bring value to our company culture, all that good stuff. The next step is applicants flood in. And I don't want, I don't want to be like, they flood in, there's so many, but people start to apply. And then we sift through the cover letters, the applications, all that good stuff. And we pick a few. And then our next system is actually conducting the interviews. So at my practice, we do a 30-minute intro call just to talk about the logistics of the job, hear a little bit about what prompted the clinician to reach out to apply. We let them know some basic expectations around what the job will look like, building their caseload, all that good stuff. 
We both equally decided it's a good fit. From there, we decide to set a one-hour interview to talk about more clinical questions and do kind of the traditional interview. So we typically try to do that within a week of doing the 30-minute intro call. Before I really tweaked my systems, I used to do the interviews by myself. Now that we have a full team, I actually bring in my uh, clinic supervisor to do interviews with me, which is awesome because, again, we get more of that feedback. There's been times where I'll walk out of an interview. I'll be like, yay, I like that person. My supervisor will be like, um, here's some concerns that I have with this piece of whatever. And then it gives me more perspectives to think about things, which I think is important. Like, I always approach group practice of, I don't know everything. It's not only my opinion that matters. And I really value what other people who are impacted by the practice have to say. And so conduct the interviews. We let them know within a week if we're moving forward. And then we kind of have a timeline for onboarding that I would say that's probably the the post-hire part, right? Of like, I've assessed, we have a need for hiring. That's the internal. I do things. I look at things in Nourish Colorado. The pre-hire is putting the job out there, getting the applications, doing the interviews, all that good stuff. The post-hire is sending a job offer, having an acceptance, having a timeline for what they can expect. Usually it's about 12 weeks. So in that 12 weeks, we're onboarding, we're applying to insurance companies. I have a task list that I go through and make sure that I have all the information I need on the business side for hiring an employee and also on the clinical side, making sure their license is good, all of that. And then we onboard them into our practice as far as our systems, how to do a discovery call, how the flow of the client experience through our practice. So it's like systems in systems. And then they start seeing their their first clients. It's incredible. And then I feel like they, from that point, kind of take on their own system of what their system is like taking on clients, marketing, if they're involved in some of the marketing process, and then what happens when they have a client come to their office for the first time or hop on Zoom for the first time. Oh, yeah. It's all very meta of like system inside a system inside a system. And I think that's what's cool. This is a side tangent about people who have an entrepreneur spirit or love like the dynamics of being in private practice and join a group practice and still get to experience that. Because you have autonomy and agency still to have systems that work for you. And it's really fun to figure out systems if you're a business nerd like us. We love figuring out systems. It's one of those, and I am the same way with you. I know you mentioned earlier, you're a verbal processor or verbal think thinker, processor, all of it, whatever you want to say, all of it. I'm the same way, which I'm so thankful to have people like you where we can talk through the systems and then create a really solid Miro board. Yes. Well, it's really fun too, because when you hear about other people's systems, it inspires you of like, oh my God, I'm going to steal that from you and put it in my system because it's addressing a bottleneck that I have and you just blew my mind and I'm so grateful. Being able to put our brains together, hear each other out, listen to systems is just chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. So if we could leave you with anything today, it's that systems will make your life so much easier. It's going to be time-consuming to get them set up, to have them all structured out. But once you have the systems you want to put in place and implement some of that automation, templates, schedules that you can just continuously repeat, it's going to be more out of sight, out of mind. And what I mean, but it's not necessarily out of sight, but you're not going to have to hold on to like, oh my God, what's next in your brain. It's going to be out somewhere that's in a flow that feels good to you. And my favorite phrase when it comes to systems, it allows you to work smarter, not harder. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review, share with a business bestie, follow us on Instagram at Weight Inclusive Innovators if you want to see us do some reels, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. See you next week. Bye, everyone.